afternoon, everyone. Well, we certainly had some good news yesterday morning. Uh, Moderna, uh, with their drug trials uh, proceeding very well, uh, with 95 percent, uh, Pfizer the week before. So that's very, very good news. Help is truly uh, on the way uh, for us in Ohio and across across the country. So very, very, very good news. Um, the bad news is that uh, our situation in Ohio is deteriorating. Um, we see more and more cases, more and more people in the hospital, uh, and we've got we've got to turn turn this thing around. Um, we literally have to build um, uh, a bridge to get from here to the point when we're going to have the immunity uh, from the vaccine. So we got to get we got to get over this. We got to get over this bad bad spot. Uh, and I'm going to talk today about some of the things that we can do. Uh, and it sounds like uh, the reports I'm getting around Ohio, we're already starting to, to do that. More and more people are, are wearing masks in retail outlets, which is just great, great, great news. So let's, um, Eric, Eric is back. Good to see you, Eric. Uh, let's take a look at the numbers. Let's go to today's slide. Uh, 7,000 cases. This has been running between seven and 8,000 uh, for about a week. Um, six weeks ago, we were at about 1,000, so it's gone up dramatically. Uh, number of deaths, at, 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 sadly, at 30. Hospitalizations, uh, way up, 368. We'll talk about hospitalizations in a moment, those people in the hospital. 21-day average was only was 210. And ICU admissions is up uh, a little bit as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about hospitalization. Um, October 13th, we had 1,000 people in our hospitals in Ohio who had COVID. Uh, November 5th, that number was 2,000. By November 12th, that number had gone from 2,000 to 3,000. And you look at today's number, 3,648. So this is just, as you can tell, going up dramatically. Uh, you'll see that the yellow is the ICU, and that's going up certainly as well. And you'll see COVID positive hospitalized uh, is, the, is the purple. So uh, just a dramatic, dramatic change. I spent yesterday uh, traveling around uh, in some of the southeastern parts of the state as well as the northwestern part of Ohio. I had doctors with me at each stop, and each one of them described what they were seeing in their, in their local, local hospital. Uh, let's, let's, uh, the ICU, let me give you the ICU numbers. Um, one month ago, we had 280 of our fellow Ohioans in ICU. Uh, today, we have 900. So uh, a dramatic dramatic uh, increase uh, of those in that, in that situation. So Eric, let's take a look at the next one. Uh, this is our slide, of course, 88 counties ranked by highest occurrence. And again, as you'll see, every single county, every single county is now a high incidence. Um, and these numbers continue to go up even for the counties that have the least spread. Uh, if, if we look here, Meigs County, for example, uh, still, these are high, these are high numbers. Um, every, every county in the state is at least two times the, the high incident level set by the CDC. Eric, let's look at the top 20. And if you look at the top 20, these are astronomical numbers. Um, you know, if you look at the top five, Putnam, Mercer, Allen, Lake, Auglaize, um, it, it, you know, these numbers are just um, shocking. It means that one out of 100 people in the last two weeks uh, was diagnosed with COVID. So just think about the odds, and we, and we know that's always lower than it, not everybody's diagnosed, not everyone has the test. And so what that means is that dramatically increases the chance of someone in those counties uh, running into somebody. Uh, who does in fact have the COVID? And again, it's it's the reason for the mask. It's the reason for the for the distancing. 
All right, Eric, let's take a look at the next slide. Um, this is something we've shown before. Uh, I believe this is cases versus testing. This shows we're very happy to see the, the testing going up and it continues to go up. Uh, but it uh, number of cases is going up much more, obviously much more dramatically. So we have some people who think that the increase in testing is what's causing the increase in cases. Yeah, a little bit of it, but most of it uh, is more and more cases. Um, so let's take a look at the next slide, Eric. Um, so this is number, number again, tests performed, and you can see these numbers are going way, way up. We're happy, certainly happy about that. And the positivity number, the seven-day running average is 12.8 positivity. Uh, the last day was 13.8, so certainly not heading in the right direction. So let's talk a little bit uh, about building that bridge to get us across till we get uh, to the point when we start uh, not only getting, start getting testing out, or excuse me, getting vaccinations out, uh, but get them out enough so that we're starting to get that herd immunity. So it's a ways away, but the good news is it is coming. And it's great, great news that we got this week and, and last week. Uh, well, we started down that path last week uh, with our retail mask order. Uh, we had uh, inspectors go out yesterday for the first day. Uh, again, our goal is to protect the workers in the retail establishments, also to protect customers when they, when they go in. Uh, it's the right thing to do with every county now being hot, every county now having very significant spread uh, the good news is that we have had some reports that even before Monday, uh, when it started to be enforced, uh, we were starting to see a uh, number of case, number of people who are wearing masks in retail establishments uh, go up. And I've got some emails from some folks who have been in, in these different retail establishments and some of them. So that's great. We just encourage people to continue to do that. Uh, we issue, reissued last week the uh, order uh, that people should not come together together. Uh, you know, uh, 10 or more people. Um, that has to do, of course, with wedding receptions and, and funerals. Uh, again, not impacting the wedding receptions or the weddings themselves, the ceremony, nor the funerals, but uh, the receptions, the getting together. Uh, the order simply says that it has to follow basically the restaurant protocol. Um, there's a few additional tweaks in there, but it's basically people need to wear masks when they're not actively eating. Uh, they need to be seated. Uh, they need to be careful. Uh, and we think that will help when people follow that as well as we've seen a lot of, a lot of tragedy come out, sadly, uh, out, of, out of weddings and out of, out of funerals and spread coming from, from that. What else can we do? I think really, if we could summarize what we need to do, it's wear a mask and have fewer contacts. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, think back to the spring. Uh, we did some shutdown, people stayed home, not looking at anything that drastic, but we know that if we reduce the number of people we come in contact every day with, uh, that we reduce the chances of getting the virus. And we reduce the chances of spreading the virus if we unknowingly have it. Uh, you can look back um, in the spring, or you can look back in, in, in March, April, uh, and you just saw activity went down. And we're not talking about closing any businesses as we did then, but what we're asking every Ohioan to do uh, is to limit your activity limit your contacts with other Ohioans. So how are we gonna do that? Uh, we're issuing uh, a curfew. Uh, and the curfew uh, will start Thursday uh, at 10 p.m. So the curfew every day for 21 days, we're gonna try it for 21 days, see how, how we're doing. Um, for 21 days, three weeks at 10 p.m., uh, retail establishments, need to be closed and people should be home. Uh, that will run until 5 a.m. I know a lot of people like to get up and exercise and do things, that's great. Um, 
we believe that this is going to help. It's going to reduce some of the contacts that are taking place. Um, what else? What else can be done? Can be done. Uh, so I'm asking, in addition to the curfew itself, I'm asking each Ohioan every day to do at least one thing that reduces your contact with others, or one thing that enhances your personal contact with someone, uh, your emotional contact with them, but not a physical contact. Um, what, what are we talking about? Let me give maybe some examples that I, I just wrote down today. Um, you're thinking about going and watching the Ohio State game with a bunch of friends. Don't do it. Pull back, watch, watch that at home. Talk about it on the phone. Uh, Skype in if you want to talk back and forth about it. But, but pull back. Um, wear a mask to church. Again, um, something that people can do. Uh, call a friend. Just talk to a friend. Uh, Lori, Chris is going to talk a little bit later today uh, about some of the mental health toll that's going on during this pandemic and what people can do to, to alleviate that. Something you can do. Write a letter. Uh, write a letter to someone. People like to get mail. They don't get uh, a handwritten note very often. Give them, give them that. Um, again, something positive that we can do uh, during this time. Something we did back uh, in the spring. We consolidated trips. Um, I was talking to someone the other day. Uh, they said, you know, in the spring I would have made one trip to the grocery store. Yeah, this week I've made two, maybe three. Um, so you can buy the same amount of stuff. We want to help, help the merchants. Uh, but make a list. Consolidate it. These are just simple things. Everyone can come up with their own list. Um, so I'm, I'm really asking and we're asking every Ohioan to do one thing at least or two or three that cuts down the contact every single day. Um, ask what you can do for your fellow man. Ask what you can do for the people uh, of Ohio. And we are all in this together. And what each one of us does will make a difference. Um, we don't have to cut these contacts down as much as we did in the spring. But if we can cut it down, say 20%, 25%, we're going to have a significant impact. And you couple that with what we really didn't know in the spring, and that was that these masks work really well. And so you couple the mask with that, couple the cutting down on the number of contacts, and you know that's going to go a long way to keeping our hospitals from being overrun. It's going to go a long way to keep our kids in school. It's going to go a long way to keep our loved ones who are in a nursing home safe. I want to now go to um, our chief medical officer of the Ohio Department of Health, uh, Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff. Uh, doctor, thank you for Joining us, uh, and you're officially on the team, and so thank you very, very much for this, uh, the good work that you're doing. I know that uh, you and I have talked an awful lot. We, we talked some before you took the position, but uh, we've been talking a lot more since uh, you took this position. So give us a little perspective from a medical uh, scientific point of view about what we're seeing in Ohio right now and uh, you know maybe some of the things that we should be looking to do and what the significance of all this is. Well, thank you. Thank you, Governor DeWine. I'd like to share information about really two things, the science of COVID-19 and how our hospitals are handling all of this. First, let's turn to the science. At the beginning of March, when COVID-19 first arrived in Ohio, we didn't know much about the virus and the disease it causes. This science has evolved as the virus has spread across the world. And today, our picture of how the disease progresses is much more complete. What we know is that this disease is spread mostly through the air by respiratory droplets. When we cough, sneeze, sing, talk, even when we breathe, we expel virus droplets into the air. 
if an infected person is having a conversation in close proximity to another person or coughs or sneezes next to them, we know now that that second person is at real risk of being infected by some of these airborne droplets. Fortunately, what we know today is that there really are simple things each and every one of us can do to protect ourselves from these droplets. We can maintain a good distance, say six feet, from those around us, and we can wear a mask. These are simple and yet very effective non-pharmaceutical interventions that accomplish three things. They protect the person you're interacting with because the mask limits your respiratory droplet spray and keeping your distance makes it harder to share the virus. Today, we also know that the masks protect the wearer from being on the receiving end of another person's respiratory droplets. And there's now scientific evidence that if you're wearing a mask and yet still are infected, you're less likely to get sick than if you weren't wearing a mask. I also want to comment on the importance of good ventilation. As we shift to being more and more inside, we need to look for ways to ensure good ventilation when we're around others. So if you're going to be inside around people who aren't in your inner circle, consider cracking a window in addition to wearing a mask. The science is absolutely clear. Keeping your distance, wearing a mask, and good ventilation all work together to form a protective barrier against viral transmission. It doesn't matter if you feel fine or you just have a mild tickle in your throat. You could be asymptomatic and still a carrier, able to infect the people around you, even if you feel absolutely fine. That's why it's crucial that each one of us wears a mask when we're around anyone who isn't in our immediate circle. Now, as the holidays approach, these protective measures are going to be even more important. It's obviously not possible to wear a mask while you're eating or you're drinking, which is why we're recommending that you celebrate small this season, keeping your celebrations to the inner circle of people who live in your household will help protect you and your family. Now I'd like to turn to our hospitals. Something that's important for us to know as we think about and talk about COVID-19 is the trajectory of this disease and how long it may take for someone to get sick, sick enough to end up in the hospital. Say for example, I was infected with COVID-19 on Monday. It could take three days for the virus to make me sick enough to start showing symptoms. Then, it could take me another couple days of feeling lousy before I decided to go to the doctor. Assuming I got tested and the doctor gave me a result and that result came back, let's say fairly quickly in 48 hours, it could take another couple of days of feeling badly before I got sick enough to say, you know, I need to go to the hospital. Once people get admitted to the hospital, we need to be aware that they aren't staying a short period of time. We've made great strides in the treatment of COVID-19, and those advancements have, in fact, reduced hospital stays a lot. Nevertheless, even with these improvements, a person who gets admitted to the hospital for COVID-19 typically will stay several days. And if you're sick enough to end up in the ICU, especially on a ventilator, your length of stay could be weeks. Now, if you've never seen anyone who needs a ventilator for assistance with breathing, you should know that it's not an easy road. It can take a long time to rebound from being on a vent. It's grueling and requires a long recovery even after you're breathing on your own again. I speak directly with my colleagues in healthcare around the state each and every day. And what they're telling me is that the situation is very serious. As we look around the state, every county is being impacted. There's no relief valve. There's no place 
where the virus isn't transmitting at a high rate. A month ago, we had a thousand people in the hospital at any given time. Today, that number is more than 3,600 and it's growing considerably. In the spring, we focused our efforts on conserving PPE and building physical capacity, the space and the stuff for our healthcare system. We were successful and we're in much better position today to help support our hospitals through this surge. However, we now face a different kind of crisis. It's the people. It's a staffing crisis. Our caregivers are in a precarious situation. They're at risk of illness because of their exposure or their family's exposure outside the hospital. As a result of these outside the hospital exposures, some of those people, some of those vital nurses and other medical staff may be quarantined or may become ill themselves. Many of them have been treating COVID-19 patients since March and they're just exhausted. Let me leave you with this thought. We all need to do absolutely everything we can to contain the spread of this virus. We're at a critical juncture. We need to protect our healthcare workers. I spoke earlier about the trajectory of the disease. Remember that even if we make necessary changes immediately, it's going to take us weeks before we start seeing any real improvement in those hospital numbers. Even if you don't believe in masks, please wear one. Keep your distance from other people and reconsider your gatherings to protect our healthcare workers. They really need us now more than ever. Doctor, thank you very much. Thanks for being with us, great to have you on the team. Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services Director Lori Chris is next, and we're going to Skype her in. And Lori, um, you've talked to me a lot about uh, what we're seeing out there with people and their mental health needs. I know that as I've talked to other people across the state, we're seeing that as well. Maybe you can help us a little bit about how to get through this and maybe help family and friends get through it. Yeah, thank you so much, Governor, for having me back. I appreciate your attention to our, our physical health and our mental health as Ohioans, and I know that so many others do as well. This pandemic is definitely creating prolonged stress for all of us, and if you're feeling stressed out, you're not alone. It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to ask for help. And these are things that uh, you've heard me say before, you've heard the governor talk about before, and it's true. We've uh, established an Ohio Care Line so that if you want to talk to someone about your stress, you can call 1-800-720-9616 to connect with a mental health professional 24 hours a day. And maybe you uh, don't want to have a conversation uh, you'd rather just text with someone. That's available too. You can text the number four in the word hope to 741-741 and you can chat via text. Either way, you're connected to a mental health professional that's just going to walk you through um, answering questions that you have, listening to your concerns, connecting you to resources or information in your local community. Maybe you uh, don't really need to talk to someone yet, but there are still healthy ways for each of us to think about adapting to adversity during the pandemic. And these are pretty simple things that each of us can do, but they do take some uh, attention on our part to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. So the first, the governor's already talked about this, uh, staying emotionally connected to people that we care about each day, reaching out to a friend or a family member with a phone call. It helps us feel better as the person making call and it's always great to get a phone call from a friend too. Get a little bit of fresh air, a little bit of sunlight, a little bit of exercise each day. That gets a little harder in the colder months in Ohio, uh, especially the sunlight sometimes. But getting outside, and even if it's just bundling up and taking a walk around the block or doing some stretches inside near a window, these are good things for us physically. And then the other thing I'll just mention quickly today is prioritizing time for your spirituality or your faith. Spending some time in meditation or prayer 
is something that can really help with uh, managing stress too. So again, these things sound simple and it's easy to move away from any one or all of these things on a day-to-day -day basis, especially if we're dealing with financial struggles or missing loved ones during the holidays or supporting a school-age uh, child during uh, the, the learning from home. But research shows that these coping strategies will help each of us deal with adversity and they help each of us build some confidence in our skills, calmness in our mind and perseverance uh, when we're starting to feel the fatigue of the pandemic and uh, it taking place over months and months. So remember, taking care of yourself is a priority, not a luxury. And now I just wanna take a minute to talk to our friends and family and neighbors who uh, have been struggling with or recovering from a mental illness or a substance use disorder, maybe starting before the pandemic. Please keep up with your treatment, keep up with your medication, stay connected to your support groups. If you run a facility that hosts a support meeting, find ways for that meeting to continue in person in a safe way if possible. And if not, look for ways for people to connect virtually through uh, social media meetings or, or other connections. These support meetings are life-saving. So stay connected to your peers. They'll help you uh, when times get tough. Also, we know that no matter how long someone's been in recovery from a mental illness or a substance use disorder, relapse can happen under prolonged stress. And so the pandemic is certainly something that can threaten relapse for our friends and family who are in recovery. Let's make sure that none of us are making assumptions that we're checking in with our friends, checking in with our families who we know have struggled with addiction or mental illness in the past. Invite these family members, these friends into our inner circle, into our bubble to help them find ways to be safe and help support um, their wellness from COVID-19, but also to reduce opportunities from being alone and for having a substance use crisis uh, without support. And, and that could include an overdose. Ask your friends and family who are in recovery if they're okay. Encourage them to stay connected to treatment and support. Ask if they need help getting what they need. And if they do, then there's resources available. You can go to takechargeohio.org, or you can again call the Ohio Care Line at 1-800-720-9616. These are simple ways that each of us can commit to supporting uh, ourselves and one another uh, every day during the pandemic and, and beyond. And remember, taking care of yourself is a priority, not a luxury. Well, Director, thank you very much. Um, all good comments, very important comments. Um, you know, for example, if someone is in an AA group, mm -hmm. um, what you're saying is try to figure out either how to physically continue that, maybe wear masks, do something, or do it do it uh, on online or somehow keep that connection. Is that that's right? That's right. There are a lot of peer support groups, family support groups that are continuing in person. Maybe there's fewer people, they're sitting further apart, they're wearing masks, uh, the meetings might be shorter. So don't assume that a meeting's not happening, reach out and find out. But also online, there are a number of meetings available and there are organizations that are hosting those and, and they're private and confidential and secure as well. Great, well, thank you very much. Thanks for the great work thank you do and your team and folks around the state of Ohio. We appreciate that very, very much. Before we go to the Lieutenant Governor, Maybe just a couple more comments about the curfew, because I'm sure people are saying, well, what, what all does that mean? Again, 10 o'clock to 5, to 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, basically want people not to be out, but there certainly is always, always exceptions. Um, it would not apply to those who need to go to work during those hours or those who need to be out for any kind of emergency purpose. Curfew is not intended to stop anyone from getting groceries or getting a meal from carryout or drive-through or, or delivery. Uh, curfew is not intended to stop anyone from going to a hospital, obviously, or, or seeing a doctor or getting help or treatment for medical or mental health conditions. So just kind of common sense. Um, our idea is to kind of carve this time out, and we know that if we all do it, with some exceptions, um, that that in and of itself will reduce some of these contacts that are, that are going on. So, Lieutenant Governor? 
We'll turn it over to you. Thanks very much, Governor. Uh, last part, people need to pay attention to that. It's just common sense. Uh, and Lori and Bruce are great. A lot of great advice there. Uh, and, you know, I've had lots of conversations over the last week from people who offered opinions and advice. And, and, um, and I've, I've just tried to, to put it in perspective for them. We've heard a lot of statistics. It's always hard to know which ones to use, but we've had, we had, it took us five months to get to our first 100,000 cases. And we had 100,000 cases of virus spread over the last three weeks. That puts in perspective about what we're confronting now. And, and uh, I know uh, the governor and, and uh, Bruce alluded to this, but over the past 21 days, hospitals, as a result of that spread, have seen the increase from around 1,400 patients to over 3,600. And uh, as a result, some of those hospitals have had to slow, uh, have had to accommodate this increasing numbers by slowing, uh, postponing um, some elective surgeries. And, and we just can't see this trend continue without it having a, a really increasingly negative impact on the way that our caregivers provide that care. And, and so doing nothing is not an option. Uh, it's easy to understand why though, because I've had a lot of these conversations, it's easy to understand why targeted shutdowns of businesses um, like restaurants and fitness centers were were for some considered pretty unpopular. Um, and they didn't consider it a, a fair solution uh, because those businesses and the people who rely on those paychecks uh, would bear a disproportionate responsibility of the burden. When we know, we all know this, that the responsibility for the solution lies with all of us. Um, personal responsibility and accountability and shared responsibility. Uh, we don't need to shut down, but we do need to slow down for a few weeks to get this uh, virus uh, back into a manageable situation. I, I often hear people asking for this balanced approach uh, as the best approach. And our challenge now is how do we reduce the spread of the virus, not overwhelm our hospitals, keep businesses open, save jobs, educate kids, avoid the unintended consequences, anxiety and stress and mental health issues, addiction and abuse, those things that Lori Chris talked about that can wear on us. Uh, this is the complexity of the problem that we're trying to resolve. And uh, of all of the options we discussed with business leaders, healthcare community leaders, legislators, school leaders, a 21 day temporary curfew was considered the least disruptive option to our economy, but also believed to have a meaningfully positive impact for our healthcare providers. That's the balance. And the majority of the opinions of the people we talked to felt the approach the governor outlined today would be the best way to go. Um, the virus spreads when people get together. So for a while, we need to make sure that fewer people are coming together and spreading the virus. No shutdowns, just a slowdown. Uh, this has been hard on everyone. Uh, I've talked to sons and daughters who've lost parents to COVID, um, overwhelmed nurses who care for COVID patients and don't want to carry the virus back home to their families. Uh, I've talked to business owners who've closed and even more who are struggling uh, and employees who've lost their jobs and those who are anxious, fearful that they might lose theirs and moms who are stressed over educating their kids at the same time they're trying to work from home. I know it, it has been hard and it is hard, but we need to get the spread of this virus under control and we can do that. Uh, and we'll get through this. We just do what the governor's asking us to do. We're going to get through this to that vaccine. That's the light. There's some great news, as, as the governor mentioned, about some quality vaccine options that are on the way. We just got to get through this tough part. Um, and, um, you know, I know it affects every family and every family needs to have a plan. And, and uh, I shared uh, with the governor this morning about what our family, our family plan is. Um, on Sunday, my dad called. Uh, he and my mom are in their 80s. And I know the highlight of their year is Thanksgiving because it's the only time of the year where all of their kids and their grandchildren are ever together. And I knew when I picked up the phone, answered my dad's call, he was, he was, he was concerned 
didn't know how to do it safely. So we talked about it. We made a family plan. Uh, our families are all going to limit our exposure between now and Thanksgiving. Uh, we decided that we would have Thanksgiving outside this year. Now I know that can be weather dependent, so we're going to be flexible. Maybe it'll be the day before Thanksgiving. It might be on Thanksgiving. It might be the day after Thanksgiving based on whether the weather will allow us to, will, will cooperate and allow us to do that. And we're going to space everybody out, have every family sit at their individual table uh, in, our, in our normal family group, but we're all going to be together just a little farther apart than usual. Uh, and we know that this will dramatically reduce the chance that my mom and dad will get the virus uh, or be exposed to the virus. And no, it won't be a Thanksgiving as usual, but with the right attitude, it will be a great Thanksgiving. And if we do it right, if we all do it right, that will make sure that my mom and dad get to be around for their next Thanksgiving. Uh, it will be inconvenient, but we'll get through it. We'll all get through this. Uh, we just, everybody has to have that family plan. And sometimes we have to have those difficult conversations like I've had to have with my own family about how we do this. And, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for all of you who will make sacrifices, have been making them, and will be making them as families uh, over this holiday season and during the next 21 days. But we're going to get through it. Um, we just got to stick together. Uh, with that, I'm going to introduce somebody that I've been sticking together with, at least on the phone, for uh, an hour a week for the since April, and that's uh, John Barker. He represents the Ohio Restaurant Association. Uh, we have been in regular conversations with them about how uh, to keep those very difficult-to-operate businesses during a pandemic uh, open and safe, and um, uh, maybe... Maybe uh, over Thanksgiving, just as a thought, you can order out from one of his, his uh, restaurant members that will help you uh, keep things safe for you and your family as you're, you're trying to, to celebrate uh, the season. So let me introduce John Barker, and, and he's going to really, I think, reflect what, the, what the, the conversations have been with the business community about how we find that balance between the needs of, of our healthcare community and the needs of businesses and the economy. So, John, let me turn it over to you. Thanks, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, our restaurants appreciate the uh, the plug, you know, for some uh, pickup Thanksgiving dinners. That, that'll, that'll help everybody. Um, and also, thank you, uh, Governor, for all the time that both you and Lieutenant Governor have given to the business community and, and, to, and to the ORA. You know, I'm really happy to be here today. I represent the Ohio Restaurant Association, but our board of directors were in support of your announcement today about the 21-day curfew. And, um, you know, we're all committed. We're going to do our part, help control the spread. COVID-19, you know, we know there's tremendous pressure on the medical system and healthcare workers. It is severe. We know that. And all Ohioans now have the chance to kind of step up a little bit more, help curb the spread and lower the number of patients. They're in our hospitals and the ICU, ICU units. We know those are real numbers. And we know we're all very concerned about that. You know, I have two daughters in the healthcare field. My oldest is a physician assistant here in Columbus. And the other is a registered nurse in Iowa. They talk to me all the time about what they see firsthand. And this virus, getting it down in Ohio and getting it down across the United States is part of all of our jobs as citizens. So we appreciate uh, everybody being so focused on this. And we really appreciate your decision as well as this announcement today. We, we think it's the right step at the right time. It's gonna allow Ohioans to do their part without having what we thought would be an immediate and disastrous impact on restaurants and thousands of employees that we shut everything down. The vast majority of restaurants and hospitality locations in Ohio, they are operating safely. We know that. They care so much about their employees. They actually refer to them as their family. And we know that we also love taking care of our guests. So we certainly want to be safe. You know, months ago, we started something called the Ohio Restaurant Promise. And that's where operators pledge to meet and exceed the Dine Safe Ohio requirements you know, and we've seen incredible examples all over the state. Restaurants, they're separating their tables. They're doing that six foot distancing. They're placing barriers between tables and booths. They're doing more extensive cleaning and sanitizing. And it was already something that was critical to our industry. You know, they make sure that their employees are wearing their, their mask and the guests are wearing masks until they sit down to eat. And I even saw over the last couple of weeks the installation of new air filtration, updated air filtration systems and units 
in restaurants all over the place. It's just a great, great thing that we're seeing. We're really proud of the work that's being done by restaurants, food service locations, and many bars. You know, even though many of them are facing sales that have been down between 20 and 70% versus the same time a year ago. And any of you that are in business know how difficult it is to operate that way. At the same time, they have all these PPE costs. They're, they're very significant. You know, I think it's important to recognize that restaurants have done everything to ensure that they're not spreading the virus. And the good news is that medical ex experts, medical experts confirm it's true. The spread appears to be occurring in unregulated settings, like we've talked about, home parties, family gatherings, social events, some schools and other places where individuals are not always following the advice and, and wearing masks, as our, as our doctor talked about. We believe the curfew is the best choice to slow things down right now and help everybody understand it's time to be even more cautious. I think it's a good decision. Most restaurants, especially independent and family-owned ones, can't survive the pandemic without all of us doing our part to control this virus. You know, many restaurants and small businesses all over Ohio were able to take uh, part of the Paycheck Protection Program which was a lifeline that was funding that we got a few months ago, but that money's gone. Now, more recently, Governor Yu and Lieutenant Governor provided several forms of financial support, including the BWC refund, and we're so thankful for that. Those are all steps to help businesses get through this and employees. However, we all know it's not enough. You know, restaurants and food service and retail businesses, they need to remain open. You know, we're providing food to guests at restaurants, but you know that we're really stepping up and doing more and more carryout in pickup window, in delivery. And this is gonna help ensure that as many of those 585,000 people who call our industry their home, that's where they work, keep their jobs. You know, we're really also thankful for our ability to continue offering takeout and delivery past uh, 10 o'clock. You know, we feed Ohioans and we take care of thousands of essential employees who work those second and third shifts, as well as everybody on the front line who's working 24 hours a day. You know, we take this responsibility seriously and we pledge to continue operating safely and continue to work with you. Thank you. John, thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. A um, number of your members have contacted me about their what they're doing uh, with their air filtration and uh, some very, very, uh, you know, really following the science on that. And that's uh, that's very important. We, we appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Ready to go to questions. Governor, your first question today is from Laura Hancock at cleveland.com. Good afternoon, Hello. Governor. Uh, on Monday, the FBI searched the home of the PUCO chairman, Sam Randazzo, an indication that he could be under a federal investigation you appointed him. Are you continue? Are you comfortable with him continuing to serve in that position? Have you discussed the situation with him? I've not discussed it with him. Um, you know, we have no indication he's under investigation or he's a target of an investigation. Uh, you know, we'll we'll wait until we find additional uh, facts, uh, but we don't we don't have any indication of that at this point. Next question is from Tom Jackson at the Sandusky Register. Tom. Consider uh, actually closing restaurants and bars on Thursday like you had uh, previously talked about. And also, does are, are people going to be allowed to do carry out after 10 or does everything shut down at 10? Well, Tom, I missed the first part. I think I got the question. I'll try to answer it. If I didn't answer it, you come back and tell me I didn't answer it. But uh, as, as far as the uh, carry out, yes, carry out will, will be allowed. Um, nothing, no retail, no place you can walk in retail, uh, but you could do it. You could do a drive through uh, if a restaurant had drive through. Uh, you could do, if they have delivery, you could do the delivery and get a pizza delivered, whatever you want to have delivered. So, and I, I sort of missed the first part of the question, I think. Governor, the first part of the question is, 
have you now ruled out closing bars and restaurants? Uh, you, because previously there was an announcement you were going to discuss that Thursday. Yeah, we looked at this, and, and frankly, we heard from, you know, a lot of people who work at bars and restaurants. And, uh, you know, I've always said we do, we do listen. Uh, I got some amazingly compelling uh, emails um, in regard to this, some texts. And, you know, behind every, each worker, there's a story. You know, there's a single mom out there who, who's, this is what she's doing, trying to keep her family moving forward. we got people with other, other situations. So, you know, every employee has a story. Every owner has a story as, as well. So what we tried to do is balance things, uh, but we have to take action. And so we're going to try this. We're going to do this for, for three weeks. Uh, we think that we can accomplish, frankly, a lot more by having this curfew than we could at, at closing one or two different um, business sectors. Uh, and so we're going to try this for, for 21 days. Uh, this coupled with uh, the mask wearing enforcement in retail, which we're already starting to see some results. Uh, it looks like people are uh, more and more people are wearing masks. Uh, that, along with our request today for everyone, not only with the curfew, but to do one, two, three other things in a day to reduce the number of contacts that you have uh, with somebody else and then wearing the mask. So if we could all do these things, uh, we will avoid uh, shutdowns, but no one can predict the future. Uh, I do feel very strongly that we have it within our power uh, to keep our kids in school, uh, to keep those in nursing homes safe and as well as keeping our hospitals from being overrun uh, and not being able to serve us. So we have it within our power to do that. We think we have a formula here to do it, to start knocking this, knocking the curve down again, uh, and we're gonna try it. Next question is from Farnoosh Amiri at the Associated Press. Hi, Governor. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time today. I do wanna go back and clarify, because I think you mentioned something about people still being allowed to go get groceries after 10 p.m. And I guess I'm a little confused on yeah. how that would work if all retail. Look, I don't know if they grocery, look, I don't know if they grocery stores open beyond 10 o'clock, but if people are going in there, it's probably not a high risk. There's probably not that many people in there. So we're not going to say you can't get groceries and we're not going to say you can't go to a pharmacy. Now, whether there's a pharmacy open beyond 10 o'clock, there may be some, but we're not going to tell them that they have to close. Someone may need a drug. Someone may have some reason that they have to be at a, at a grocery store. So, you know, this is, this is, we want, basically we want everybody home by 10 o'clock, but there are, there's always emergencies and there's always, there's always some exceptions, but all retail closed by 10 o'clock. Uh, you can do carry out, you can do delivery, but all, all, all the retail basically that you walk into is in fact closed. That should accomplish putting people at home, um, you know, but there are a couple exceptions that, you know, we think make sense. Next question is from Andy Chow at Ohio Public Radio and Television. Andy. Hey, Governor. Uh, so you just detailed how this order impacts businesses and how restaurants can stay open for delivery and pickup. How does this order impact just everyday people. Like you said, you want people, you're hoping that after 10 p.m. people go home. How will the health order be written? Is it like a stay-at-home order for from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m.? Well, it's going to be similar. I mean, we're calling it a curfew. We think a curfew probably describes it, it best. Uh, I mean, this was reported, um, you know, I saw some headlines uh, this morning and some stories yesterday that talked about a business curfew. It's really not a business curfew. It's a curfew. Uh, the goal is to have fewer contacts. And if we can take these contacts with people have with other people down 20%, 30%, we saw the impact it had in the spring. Uh, We're not shutting businesses down. Uh, But remember in the spring, we had a lot of businesses open anyway. Some were closed. We went to the essential, non-essential. But the whole idea is if you can slow these contacts down, that's going to be go a long way to slow this virus down. This virus lives only when it goes from one person to the other. And so if you reduce those number of contacts, that's why I ask people in addition to the curfew, do something every day. Think, what am I going to do? What would I, 
normally do, I'm getting ready to do it. So no, I don't want to do that because that will, uh, you know, increase the contacts. And so you, if you just decrease the contacts, we're going to be better off. The curfew starts us down that path. I'm asking people to do more than the curfew. And we believe that those things coming together along with the, the mask wearing in, in retail, we hope mask wearing throughout, uh, will start flattening this curve and start getting this thing under control. Next question is from Jeff Reddick at WSYX in Columbus. Afternoon, Governor. Uh, Jeff. Does this uh, strengthen the 10-person gathering limit? In other words, that's not often enforced. Would it be more enforced under the curfew? Secondly, yeah, I mean, science behind this. Yeah, look, I mean, we don't anticipate, for example, uh, someone's driving down down the, the, the road on, you know, 71 or 70 or wherever, uh, you know, and it's past 10 o'clock, we're not really anticipating they're going to get pulled over unless they're doing something else. But let's say there's somebody, uh, there's, there's a group of people coming together, and it's 1030, and they're at a park, or they're someplace, they're someplace else. Well, it would be logical for police to go over there and say, hey, what's going on? Um, and so that does not depend on the 10-person order. Uh, there's a curfew. And the curfew is what, you know, really would control uh, if you look at the 10-person order, we reissued it, and the real change, substantive change in there is we were very specific uh, in regard to banquets, very specific in regard to weddings, funerals, these gatherings after the funeral, after the wedding, where people naturally want to get together, and that's fine, but they need to wear masks, they need to be careful, they need, they need to be seated. And so that was not in the previous orders, that is now in, in the orders. Next question is from Kevin Landers at WBNS in Columbus. Hello, Governor. Thanks again for doing this. Uh, you are going to be criticized for not being tough enough at a time when cases are going up. If we shut down for 21 days, wouldn't that have a more dramatic decrease or impact in eliminating these cases from going up? What was your driving decision as to why you yeah. didn't feel strong enough to do a shutdown? Well, a shutdown is, is rather dramatic. We did it once. Uh, doing it the second time has, you know, uh, double the ramifications, quite candidly. Uh, some people survived. Uh, the first shutdown won't survive the second shutdown, even if it's a, a relatively short period of time. There are all the other consequences. Laura Chris talked about the consequences that we have seen in regard to mental health. Um, you know, you do a shutdown, that you increase the mental health problems. Uh, you would be saying if you did a complete shutdown, nobody goes to school. Uh, and yet we know that um, there, there are kids who are doing well in school that don't do well outside of school. And each school is making that determination. We would then be overriding that and telling every school they have to close and they have to, they have to go remote. Um, all, kinds of all kinds of consequences um, you know, we saw uh, when we looked at overdoses, deaths uh, in the spring, they went up. Uh, goes back to something that Lori was, was talking about, Director Chris was talking about, um, you know, people being together. And we think one of the reasons those overdoses went up is, frankly, people took drugs, they overdosed, no one was there to call 911. So ev for everything we do, that distorts the economy or, or changes things, there are consequences, and there are many times there are unintended consequences. So what I had to do is balance that, you know, the bad things that could happen with what would be the positive things that would happen. Uh, came up with this idea uh, that a curfew could carve into that time, uh, cut the contacts down. But the success of this also not only depends on people following the curfew, but also people wearing masks uh, and seeing that mask compliance go up in some counties from 20%. We need it to get to 90, 95% in stores. We expect to see that. Uh, and it's also from everyone pitching in and saying, hey, we can do this. So we've set a goal. We got 21, 21 days. We need to knock this thing down. We need to start seeing cases go down. Um, because even at the rate we are now, and we've not seen them go up for the last two or three days. Now it's over the weekends. So you always get kind of skewed numbers, but 
even at this high number, if it never goes up anymore, it's not acceptable. These high numbers that we are at, 7,500, 7, 8,000 cases a day are going to mean a lot more deaths and a lot more people in ICU and a lot more people in the hospital, a lot more schools close, a lot more uh, virus get into our nursing homes and our hospitals be really hit. So uh, I'm counting on the people of Ohio. We got 21 days. Let's do it. Let's start today. Let's do what we need to do. And we'll evaluate it after 21 days. Um, no responsible governor would ever say, I'm not never going to do this or I'm never going to do that. This is our attempt not to do those things. It's our attempt to pull everybody together on one team, not single out any particular industry, but say, hey, we're all in this together. We got to knock this thing down. Let's let's sprint. Let's do it for 21 days. Let's see where we are and we'll evaluate it after 21 days. Governor, um, just wanted to add a couple things to, to the question or to answer the question. Um, just to try to simplify this for folks is that if 10 p.m. comes around and you got to go to work, then you can go to work. Uh, if you got an emergency, you can go take care of it. Um, but otherwise, go home uh, and try to help us achieve the goal of reducing people who are not normally in the same household from coming together. When we had these long discussions over the past week, the hospital officials said, look, that's the goal. Uh, everything that contributes to people coming together is the cause. Uh, and everything that we can do to prevent people from coming together is the solution. And we tested this uh, idea of the curfew with, with um, the business community and the hospital community, uh, the health community. And they all thought this was a, was a reasonable compromise to get there uh, to find that balance. And if people follow it, it will work. Uh, it, it will definitely work to help slow the number of contacts and get us uh, to the point where we're going to be able to get this in a manageable situation again. And, and as far as closing more down, uh, I mean, we always have to remember this is a balance. So the governor and I have done, I don't know, governor, probably close to calls with 30 counties and superintendents and hospitals and local government officials. And, and when you do these calls, you get the practical feel for the interconnectedness of how everything is in our society, that when schools are closed, nurses who work in hospitals don't have anybody to take care of their children, how all of these things are connected and how keeping things open and doing it right benefits everyone from an economic and health point of view but we just have to own it. We have to own doing this right so that we can knock this virus down, get through this difficult period so that we can get to the vaccine. And, and, and uh, to Kevin's question, we can do this. This is, this is a good compromise between all of those competing interests. Next question is from Jesse Balmert at the Cincinnati Inquirer. Hi, Governor. Hi, Jesse. Um, my question is, uh, what evidence or experts did we consult to uh, decide on the 10 to 5 number um, and how that will make an effect on the numbers? And then the second quick question is, what penalties are there for not complying with the curfew? Yeah, we, we look, we know, we know the basic science, um, and we had um, the doctors who we normally consult uh, take a look at this. And the, the basic science is fewer contacts, fewer spread, less spread. So anytime that you can reduce contacts, you know, statistically, you will reduce spread, particularly when you have uh, in some counties today, when you look at the number of cases that they they have, and you look at it and you say it's one out of 100 people in the last two weeks, have come down with the virus in this county. I mean, that tells you how dangerous it is out there. So whenever you can reduce that contact, it matters. And that's, you know, this is one way of doing it. There's, it's not the only way of doing it. We could have done it other ways, but this seemed to me to, to make sense. And uh, we ran it by a lot of different people and scientists and who thought, yeah, that, that makes sense. But look, nothing is perfect. Nothing is guaranteed. This is all depends on how, you know, how well we, we do this. So, thank you. Next question is from Laura Bischoff at the Dayton Daily News. Hey, Laura. 
Hey, Governor, I wanted to circle back to Laura Hancock's question about Sam Randazzo. You said there's no indication that he's the target of an investigation. Uh, why don't you consider an FBI pre-dawn search warrant where they carry out box loads of stuff, not an indication of an investigation? I mean, you're a former prosecutor. You oversaw yeah. BCI. Tell uh, us when, when these kinds of searches are just friendly visits. Look, look, the, the FBI many times will indicate that someone's a target. They've not indicated that he's a target. I have no reason to think he's a target. I don't know. Um, so, you know, we're, we're waiting for additional information, quite candidly. Um, you know, we, uh, I hired him. I uh, think he's a good person. Uh, if there's evidence to the contrary, then we'll, we'll act accordingly. But I'm not going to act without, without facts. Next question is from Jim Province of the Toledo Blade. Hi, Governor. Thanks again for taking our questions. Um, why did you settle on three weeks? I mean, do you anticipate that uh, we would have to extend the curfew beyond that? Do, would we have enough evidence as to whether it's working after three weeks? And do you know whether this has been tried in other states and what the success rate has been? Yeah, I've seen that some states have, have, have looked at curfew. I don't know that we, we've got any empirical data. Uh, you know, what has happened when others have used it? It has been used in Europe. Uh, the situation in Europe is different uh, because in Europe, uh, what they've been able to do when they put an earlier curfew, you know, an earlier, you can do a six o'clock or a seven or eight o'clock. When they've been able to do that, clearly they've knocked businesses out and knocked a lot of employees out and they subsidize those, those individuals. We do not have the ability in Ohio, sadly, to, to, to do that. I mean, we've looked at it. We've looked at all kinds of options. Can we subsidize people? Uh, and, you know, the federal government came through with some very significant money, but that money is now gone, and we don't have the ability to look at that as an option. So in answer to your question, we know it's been used in Europe, uh, it's been, but it's used, been used differently than we would be using it here because we don't have any, we don't have any money, and therefore we can't extend those, extend those hours. 21 days, there's nothing magical about 21 days. Uh, you know, we instituted some things last week that we thought will make a difference. We're instituting the curfew now. Uh, we're asking Ohioans to do very, very specific things or refrain from doing specific things. There's much more awareness today in Ohio about what the, the problem is, as people are seeing these numbers go up, as they're starting now to hear from their local hospital officials. So uh, 21 days is an eternity <laughs> with this virus. So where we are in 21 days, I don't know. I hope we're in a better position than we are uh, today. But it seemed like 21 days was, let's give this a run for 21 days. Uh, we may have to take much more drastic action. We don't know. We may have to, we may be able to get rid of the curfew. We may keep the curfew. You know, we're going to have to judge this, um, you know, at that time. But this is long enough till we can see, you know, get some patterns and it's long enough to see what what is going on and what the result there is of doing this. Next question is from James Pilcher at WKRC in Cincinnati. Good afternoon, Governor. I wanted to circle back and um, get the specifics on enforcement penalties. Who, who enforces this? What are the penalties? And uh, as an adjunct question, I saw a post today from an elected mayor in the, in the state saying, don't listen to the tyranny, have as big a Thanksgiving as you want. What do you say to somebody like that? I know the two different, one's more of a logistical question. Yeah, well, look, I just, I think we're at the point of this debate and this discussion after eight months that, um, you know, the science is clear um, as uh former colleague of mine, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, once said, uh, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You're just not entitled to your own facts. And I would say that to that mayor uh, and to other people who are just totally irresponsible um, and want to be telling people to do things that may end up hurting them or killing them. So I just I find that to be totally, totally outrageous. Can you just follow up on the uh, on the, the penalties and the enforcement? Yeah. Is it going to be up yeah. to law enforcement to enforce this? And and what can they arrest somebody? Can they get what are they going to get tickets? What are the what are the penalties here? Yeah, let me get. Uh, I'm going to have my my team um, send in to me um, 
the statute or the, or the, the reference point in here. And I'll get back, I'll answer that in, in, in a minute. But basically, we're having calls now, uh, our team is, with, with, with local law enforcement. Um, and again, we do not expect law enforcement to go pull people over because they're out beyond 10 o'clock. But if they're seeing some, something going on, um, this is an, is, this is a way that law enforcement can walk up to them and say, Hey guys, you know, <laughs> you're, you're here, you're hanging out at this gas station or you're here or there, you're congregating together and there is a curfew and why don't you just go home? Uh, you know, we're not looking for a heavy hand here. Uh, we don't want to put law enforcement in a difficult position. On the other hand, uh, this is, it is, it is a serious matter and we need to, we need to deal with it. So I'll get back. I'll answer that as soon as I get something from our team here. So thank you. Next question is from Josh Rutenberg at Spectrum News. Hi, Governor. Hey, Josh. Uh, question for you. You've used words in this very press conference like dramatic to paint the picture of the virus and common sense as far as what certain measures need to be taken. Um, and the lieutenant governor said that this was the least disruptive option in the economy. Um, but do you have data to suggest that the majority of people are out between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. as opposed to 5 a.m. to 10 p.m.? And if, and if not, why is this not being done in reverse? You know, Josh, uh, excellent question. Uh, right now, I can guarantee you there, there are uh, some people who are tweeting uh, and who are saying that uh, DeWine is a dictator and a tyrant and, uh, and doing this. So, you know, we got different points of view, but we wanted to see what could be least disruptive that would not cause other problems, other social problems, unemployment, more mental health problems, but could make a significant difference. And no, of course, there's more people out during the day than there is between 10 o'clock and, 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 and 5 a.m. But there are people out at 10 o'clock. And, and the goal is, you know, we, we, we put a stop of alcohol some months ago at 10 o'clock in, in our bars. Okay. Then, then the, uh, you know, people said, well, they're congregating here, they're congregating there, they're doing this. Okay. This should eliminate most of that additional congregating uh, and that contact that occurs after 10 o'clock. And so while there may not be as many people out after 10 o'clock, um, you know, uh, with the exception of those who are working and doing other things, you know, many, many of them are out congregating together. And so this should get rid of most of that. Uh, nothing's perfect. And this coupled with what we did last week on with retail establishments where we're saying, you, you know, you, unless you've got a medical reason and we, and by the way, we respect those medical reasons and somebody doesn't have a mask. We should not, no one should give them a hard time. Let's just assume that they've got uh, a medical reason, but you couple those things that we've done in the, in the last, um, six days. And we think, you know, it gives us a shot at this thing, a good shot at, at slowing this down. Now we know it's not easy. Uh, when you get spread as high as seven thousand new thousand cases a day, seven new cases a day, 7,000 new cases a day. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's hard to slow